2017. Three men joined together in a pact to see what they could collectively do to advance civilization, further the cause of world peace, and elevate mankind. These three men were internationally renowned musician and Lincoln Park multi-instrumentalist Dave Phoenix Farrell, multiple PGA Tour champion and world-class golfer Brendan Steele, and Mark. They named themselves the members. Those who they chose to sit with and ponder the mysteries of the universe, they named the guests. What you're about to listen to is one of those historic conversations. Welcome to the Member Guest Podcast. Welcome to Member Guest. I'm going to start energy up because so often I'll go back to it and I'll listen back and I'll think that I'm starting with more energy and I'm super bored. Oh. With my own voice hearing it at the top of a thing. You're like, hey, so, hey, guys, we're here. We're getting started today. I, I feel, okay, so I feel like I'm like, hey, everybody, what's happening? And then I listen to it, and it's just kind of like, okay, cool. We're here in Irvine, member guest. What's happening? Anybody who's just stumbled upon it is like, no, this sounds like it's going to be miserable. So energy up, Brendan. Ener- energy's up today. Energy Let's up. go. I'm getting, we're getting excited. All right, we're here. We're in Irvine today. We've never recorded this new spot. It's a new place for us. The home office of Brendan Steele, Inc. B, what's happening? Yeah, love having you guys here. Hope uh, everything goes well. If it doesn't, I'm going to blame it on Mark. Does it feel like it's energy up already? Yeah, energy's up. Way up. 100%. Yeah, yeah. it does, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's partially the coffee. (laughs) That (laughs) doesn't hurt. You do have the coffee sweats already. I, I have that special strip in the middle of my back that's only sweats from too much caffeine <laughs> and it's on fire and we have mark mark what's happening say hi hello um i'm slightly uncomfortable now that's because... energy down mark you need to be energy up <laughs> hey uh, brennan and i are wearing the same shirt that's kind of weird is that the exact same shirt i don't know he is a gray henley with three buttons yeah you have a button down yeah, I'm going one like down. I'm See, that's energy up. It, that's, <laughs> You're buttoned up. That's I'm, energy down. Okay, I'm, I'm going to energy Take up. it all the way down. Okay. Mark yeah. also is wearing some Patrick Reed pockets on that <laughs> on his Henley shirt. <laughs> that's such an inside joke. Yeah, that, yeah that's great. We can't even explain it. Um, do we want to go into who our guest yeah, is we today? Do. We do. We have an extremely special guest today. Good he, to be here. Yeah. I mean, he is the jack of all trades. There's basically nothing that, that he hasn't done. He was drafted out of, uh, out of high school to play baseball, uh, played a couple seasons of minor league baseball. And Didn't then just, go well. Then just decided, hey, you know what? Let's go play football. There you go. Walked onto the team at uh, Colorado, and uh, a year later they said, okay, you're the starting quarterback. Went on, uh, went on to set 44 school records. Is that right? You did your research. I did a little wow. research. Yes. Only 44 school records. That's true. <laughs> we might have to list them all at some point tonight. <laughs> Most passing yards in the third quarter of an October game. <laughs> I mean, it got deep. Yeah, yeah. Most recently, you've probably seen him as Fox Sports lead college football analyst. And also... Uh-oh. Maybe at the U.S. Open doing his analyst duties. As- yes, and that's not 100% official yet, at least in the sense that 
the announcement hasn't been made, but I am well, looking forward just to... just <laughs> But we well, haven't officially we, given his name out yet, so we're still in the clear. Yeah, that's so we're still in the clear. We'll just that's do the whole true. podcast the, without introducing yeah, That's him. right. <laughs> to clarify, we usually start the podcast by saying everything that we're about to say is allegedly anyway, so that way you're... Yeah, like get out of jail. Then you're clean. Anyway, good. I keep saying jet out of jail, which is kind of the same thing as get out of jail. It's your jet out of jail free card. Perfect. I pronounce my J's really strong. Strong. I try, I try to, those you J's. pop those J's. I try to pop the J's. <laughs> Jet. He's the father of three boys, an avid golfer, and he's not afraid to tell you the truth about college football on Twitter. Mm. That's Mr. True. Joel Clapp. Hey, yes. it's good to be here. All right. Here Welcome. we go. I want to thank you for having me because you guys, this is, you guys have done a great job with this podcast. I obviously, I love listening to it. I've loved hanging out with you guys, playing golf. Um, so yeah, this is fun. I can't wait. And, and we are fresh off of a round of golf. Yes. And it was, was a kiss your sister round of golf. No money exchanged hands, which was pretty bittersweet for you guys. Because of the putt I made on 17. Yeah, that was a big putt. That actually really hurt. <laughs> 17 hurt for a lot of reasons. But that was a fun day. We'll have to have a rematch. Dave and I, we normally don't lose. So when well, we didn't lose today. We didn't lose. Yeah. That's still, true. Still it just it felt true. like a loss for us because we pushed. We started off really poorly, but we made a, a glorious comeback. That's true. As soon yeah. as Mark got there, we got inspired. You guys got hot when yeah. Mark got there. Yeah. I can Mark bring Mojo. Us, yeah. That was energy up. For what I lack in game, I bring in Mojo. Yeah, the Italian lucky charm. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Fiore. Write that one down. That's a good nickname for you. (laughs) I think think we like it. Uh, So the first time we played golf, Joel, uh, just to get into a kind of a fun acquaintance, you were a Colorado Buffalo. I was like, oh, you know, my brother went there. And then randomly... I think the only other person actually kicked there. Do you happen to know Mason Crosby? Yes, no. sir. Yeah. He was the kicker when I was playing quarterback and saved at least three or four shutouts when we were just getting drilled. <laughs> and it was like, Mason, please make a 56-yarder. And he did. It's like, okay, guys, we didn't get shut out today. He was That's awesome. all we're clinging to at yes, the moment. <laughs> exactly. Mason was awesome. He's a great teammate. Really good golfer, by the way. We love Mason, too. We play with him every year in a, a big tournament out in the desert. The Desert Classic. As everyone knows, the biggest event of the year. You know, the PGA Tour. We kind of tried to steal the name. It's such a big deal. We loaned it to them. Yeah. They now For a small calling. fee. Very large fee. <laughs> we're, we're negotiating the fee. <laughs> Hopefully a very large fee. Yeah. All this just to say, the first time I met Mason was actually at that tournament out in the desert in Palm Springs, and we started talking about football, obviously, and not to throw kickers under the bus, but I wanted your, just right out the gates, I wanted your feedback on this. I was realizing as I was talking to Mason about it, I'm like, do you ever think to yourself that what you do in relation to your sport is a very, very bizarre thing? He's kind of like, well, what do you mean? Mason, for those who don't know, he's still <laughs> kicking professionally. He plays for the Packers. And he kind of looked at me with a little bit of confusion on his face. And I was like, well, you are such a specialist in the sport that you do that you actually do something that has nothing to do with the rest of the sport. And they'll just bring you on the field at certain points to like kick the game-winning field goal when the rest of the entire game, like nobody has kicked a ball. Right. the punt. <laughs> right. Everything else. Right. I'm like, do you ever find that kind of weird? And he's like, I've never really thought of it that way. <laughs> I knew he had grown up playing soccer as well. And I'm like, don't you think it's kind of like you go into a tie at the end of the game now, the goalies basically have to like throw the ball into the net at each other. They bring a guy out and they're like, okay, throw it through that hole. And you're like, yeah. wait, what? What yeah. is happening right uh, now? And then I went to the to the further step of like, 
you could also imagine a world where you literally had a quarterback on your soccer team and his only job was to throw it through a ring like at the end of the game just to like Add on a half a point. And so. then if he misses it, everyone's like, you've got one job. Like, come on. <laughs> it's the worst job in sports. Yes, 100%. I, I None of the credit and all of the pain. <laughs> everyone asked me, like, if your son played football, what would you want him to do? I was like, punt. Like, for sure, punt. Because there's no pressure on the punter, and they can punt for 20 years. But the kicker, he's got all sorts of pressure on him. They're also I, not going to get hit very often. Very rarely, if, if ever, which is f- fantastic for them. I think that there's the biggest difference in athletic, you know, skill sets, body size, body type from the defensive tackles yeah. to the quarterback. You know, you got guys like Vince Woolfork or Danny Shelton, the nose tackle for the Patriots, and Tom Brady. They could not be further, you know, apart when it comes to like the athletic and size spectrum. And yet they're they're on the same team, and then you trot the kicker out there, and and he obviously <laughs> is on an opposite end of even uh, the spectrum from those two. So it's interesting, you know. Everyone says like, "Do you feel bad for kickers?" I don't, I don't know if you were going to go this direction or not. I loved Mason, and Mason was a great great kicker. So and he never missed a, like a really critical kick for us. So I never went through this with him. But I don't feel bad for kickers because I'm in one of those things. It's like you do have one job, you know, <laughs> like the the what is it? The um, Parky from Chicago, like got to make the kick. I don't know what to tell you, you know, and it's man, little... maybe that makes me a bad person. It... <laughs> Mason told us that he used to try to get in his dome when he was kicking. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Doing the Caddyshack Noonan. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like four years older. And he's this freshman, and and he was a highly recruited kicker from Georgetown, Texas. In fall camp, like his first kick, like they send him out there, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna, you know, they're practicing field goal." And the quarterbacks, we just stood there. So I was like, "Well, this is this is boring. I'm just gonna go like razz this kid." I didn't know who he was, so I just stood right next, and I was like, "Danny Newton, miss it," you know. And I was doing the Caddyshack thing, and he would start, and he would make these kicks. So I take credit. I made yeah, Mason Crosby. Made, I made, made him the yeah. leading point scorer in yeah. the history of the Green Bay Packers. Right. <laughs> there you go. He owes it all to me and Danny Noonan. The little asterisk on his name is mental toughness coach Joel Klatt. That's right. That's right. Mental coach. Mental coach. The mentalist. You can kick a game-winning field goal, and you can be like the hero for that for that moment, right? And that's always really fun and exciting for them. But generally, it usually more feels like a kind of position where you really can only screw up. Mm-hmm. Like if you kick it, that's kind of ex- if you make it, it's kind of expected. If you miss, then you're kind of the, the the heel. Right. Similarly, I feel like that's a part of being a goalie. You know, you you can make a great save, you can do that, you can maybe win a game in a penalty shootout. But generally, it's more like you just can't make a big blaring mistake, right? Because then you're just everybody's going to shit on you. Yeah. And I we always ironically it's a the bad first, position to be in the first. <laughs> Absolutely. The first band that Mark and I played in, our drummer was actually also our goalie on our high school team. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, being a drummer in a band is is like being the kicker or the goalie. Where you people got, only hear if the you mistakes. screw up. If you screw up, the train comes off the tracks. If I screw up playing bass, good God, who even knows? Like, <laughs> so I, I I probably don't know half the time if I mess something up. Like I, if my ears aren't great that night, I can't hear bass pitch anyway on a loud stage. Like you definitely can't hear it if you're in the crowd and close. Like bass, you just kind of feel. If a drummer like 
goes into a chorus early or whatever, that's like a goalie falling down and the ball bouncing over him. And, <laughs> you know, or he like whiffs a pass back and it, it's just a disaster. I've never thought of it that way. That's, it's, that's a, such so, a great analogy. There's a personality type that gravitates towards, I want to be in the spot where I can have no glory, but if it goes wrong, it's just a disaster for me. <laughs> I've never thought of it that way. What a great analogy. Thank you. Okay, that's it. Let's wrap it up right there. Well, great. Just kidding. End on a high note. High energy. Yeah. Dave's energy was way up tonight. Way Dark's, was good. Eh. That was, Joel's, you know. I'll give Joel good energy, too. Yeah, you know. It was the coffee. I'm doing my research. Thank you, Wikipedia. On Joel Klatt, leading into this uh, this podcast. And the first thing I see, I'm not even sure if you're aware of it, is your picture the that picture. comes up on internet. Do you know what I'm, oh, where it's I'm so going? Oh, so great. Yes. Do you the Wikipedia Do you want to describe it? You bet. Okay. So here's the, if you type my name in and go to my Wikipedia page... You will find that it's not like even a cheesy headshot picture. No, 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 no. No, it's not. It's not you like in a tux. No, or like the embarrassing sometimes high school yearbook picture right. where you're like, really, this is the one. Right. No, no. It's me walking actually away from the camera in in my football uniform, and so you can just see like you know Seen the it. clat and the, and the fourteen. <laughs> And I'm walking past my head coach, clearly after a touchdown or doing something really good, because he's got this like really seductive look on his face, and he's tapping me oh, on yeah. the butt, you know, like the the attaboy, you know. But the way that the picture looks, it looks like he's just holding my butt, just like Christ, caressing it. Nailed the timing on that. Just nailed perfectly. the timing. It was so good. And so, that's your number one photo. That's the photo. It happened over ten years ago. And the guy who put that picture in was a teammate of mine. His name was Sean Tufts. He was a linebacker, and he was that guy in the locker room always, yeah, right? Great. And so he changes the picture on the Wikipedia, and then he just starts texting me incessantly. Hey, have you Googled yourself ever? You know, have you Googled? I'm like, no, I've never Googled myself. He's like, you should totally Google yourself. And so finally I'm like, he absolutely did something. And so I Google myself. I click into Wikipedia and I look at the picture and I call him right away and he's just laughing. He's one of those guys who's just like, <laughs> and so I've left it up ever since because I'm like, you know what? That was a really good practical joke. So I just left it. Do you find it kind of strange that football it is like a macho sport? It is a, you know, it's massive dudes, super athletes, strong strength, speed, whatever. But it's okay in that environment to butt smack. Oh, I mean, it's not just okay. I mean, that's like the ultimate goal. That's why, that's part of the reason I've never changed the picture, right? It's, like, to get a solid attaboy is just like, you should probably start doing it with caddies and players on the PGA Tour. Like just that. a solid attaboy. Yeah. Like, ni- nice shot. You know, attaboy. Or boy. just with, with Christian, just be like, nice number there. Well, yes. Done. What a great read. Yes. Boom. 100%. Well, I, it's, I don't mean everything. I've never, I never found hand. that that was weird. <laughs> So, I never found that that was weird. I was thinking I mean, you about know, it. Hold on, though, because you're also talking to a guy. I played in an era where, like, quarterbacks were under center. Right. I mean, not to get, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, up close and personal. I mean, yeah, you're you're down there, right? And, and, like, the back of my hand is basically on the center's butt the entire day. Rain or shine, hot weather, I mean, anything, right? So I had a... <laughs> I had a center. His name was Mark Fenton. I love you, Mark. And he was a he was a sweater, right? And so in like August and early September, when it was really hot, 
when he would snap the ball because when they snap the ball, like you've got to apply pressure, basically, kind of like just you know, <laughs> you're under there. Let them know, <laughs> let them know you're there. So they know where your hand is, and then they basically just like hit your hand with the ball. You know, they're not passing it to you. They just slap the ball onto your top top hand. Bam. And that's how you get the snap. And when he would do that, so it's a firm deal. And when he would do that, spray. it would splatter. Oh, guys. <laughs> like the ball would kind of be wet. And I would like drop back and have to like spin it to try to find like a dry. Oh, no. Dry up the ball. Oh, yeah. So there you go. You didn't think that story was coming out, yeah, did that, you? No, that's perfect. <laughs> so no, so then the the add a boy, the butt slap. I mean, that's that's nothing after you get the splatter. It made me. So I was thinking, <laughs> in other sports, there's obviously bizarre things too that you just accept, like the fact that a baseball coach wears the uniform. Like that's just weird. yeah, that's bizarre, and that would be super bizarre in like in any other sport. But you just accept it because it's baseball. Wrestling, obviously, a really macho sport, too, but you wear, like, a singlet, which is <laughs> totally fine because you're used to it in wrestling, but that's, like, a really biz- – if you take it outside of that atmosphere, it becomes kind of bizarre, like, and super unnecessary. Right. Like, what, why you would wear that versus- Like, even in bike racing, you'd be like, really, singlet? Like, you know, can, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. can we at least get, a, like, a bike racing jersey? You, why does it not have sleeves? Right. Like, that's a great – that's a great question. I didn't think of anything that, that was kind of weird in golf – like I don't, I didn't want to put the butt slap into golf, but I want to try and figure out like, is maybe there... we should put the butt slap into golf. I, I really like it, and like Mark said, glove hand, obviously. Glove hand. Well, and and not even like I'm saying like caddy to player. Yeah, no, that's what I think. You know, too. like you yeah. stuff a shot in there, and it's just like bam. Yeah, and you're like yeah, yeah, let's go, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I would that would be great in like the the team format tournaments. Yeah, too. yeah, there you go. Instead of like the awkward. Buddy, high five! Like and, Keegan, and remember, Keegan to Brendan doing the yes. Well, Jamie and I, slaps. Jamie and I, last year did the Top Gun high five, and we just did it like casually and not like nobody needs to pay attention to us. But we'll just be over here, and when somebody goes, "Wait, what was that? Did you guys try?" It? Like people were going, "Like, did you just try to do that? Or did you see that your hand like hit up here and then hit again on the other? What, what was that?" I love like, it. Like, oh no, I don't, I don't know. What, what was that? That's and and however like the the level of of good that the result is that just happened like the shot or in football the play or anything then the harder the butt slap yeah see that's always it it runs congruent that way there's a direct there's a sign or the, not a scientific there's a mathematical <laughs> correlation term yeah. for that even it's not a transitive property maybe it is. Don't look at me. Numbers Man. and stuff. Dude, yeah. edit that in so that I sound really smart. And it just goes, it'll be like, what is what is that called? Oh, yeah, it's the transitive property. Like, it's like, totally <laughs> like it's that. <laughs> then, then everybody will think that I know my, uh, my math. You could really get into another golfer's dome if you just were always right behind them, right before every shot. Mm-hmm. Be like, you good hit, shot. A, good, you hit a good shot. I'm, I'm whacking you. Too. Yes. <laughs> and there's some cir- circumstances where you might have to run 50 yards just to get them after yeah, the shot. Yeah. You come back here. <laughs> Chasing them around. That'd be so good. Oh, my God. I got to give you props for that. Get back here. Get back here, Charles and Howell. Then, and then you could get a glove sponsor on the palm. Yeah. Right? That would be big money. Yeah, for sure. Love where this is going. You know, soccer's got the roll around when you get fouled, the roll around and wine. That's kind of unique to that. The flop. Yeah. 
And, and, fo- and basketball's got its own thing. But What's then, the then golf I found equivalent? It, is it the tap the yeah, brain down? Yeah, spike marks. Uh, for sure. the, like, even Although though you can fix you can them fix now. Them. Yeah. So now if you see that after a missed putt, that's a total flop. So what? You didn't see that before? Right. Which maybe they, maybe you didn't. But <laughs> I think it's the post-swing, like drop the club. Like a big I, Matsuyama. Like, oh, hurt, it's hurt the worst shot I've ever hit. And it's like eight feet. And you're like, oh. He does that a lot. Does that a lot. It's like the the... Worse his follow through is the better the shot's going to be. Shot, for sure. That's probably a remnant of like the the Tiger era though. Like Tiger had a lot of and then yeah. it's like it's ten feet. Yeah. Unless he stuffed it, it was like not like a good shot. Like in the shot. air, just like Tiger, that is so bad. It's like <laughs> oh, it's still a birdie. <laughs> oh, okay. If I put it to ten feet, I expect a butt slap from each one of you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm butt slapping a myself. Hard one. Yeah. Yeah. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Do you think it's weird that in baseball you can basically put on like body armor to hit? I think that's weird. You can wear a whole side, yeah, like you got the, the the whole thing on the left. Yeah. You know, you got the shin guard and everything like that. I think that's. A I little mean, strange. part of the game is to have to stand in there and right. face that pitch, right? right? Trust me now, and the, and especially in the low minor leagues, guys on average throw harder. It's a lot like probably mini tour golf yes. or even college golf. Yep. Guys bomb the golf ball, right? Yep. I mean. The college it. guys hit it farther than the PGA Tour guys, for right. sure, on, on average. Yeah. yeah, and and by maybe a significant margin. Yeah. But the difference is there's zero control with their drive. When the low minor leagues, guys are throwing 96, 98 nightly. Yeah. But, man, no idea where it's going. <laughs> so you take a couple of those in the ribs, and yeah. it's like, okay, I'll armor up a little bit. Yeah, but man, on everything. I had a buddy like that. Um Played it, played at UCR, played at UC Riverside, and and left-handed, tons of talent, throw really hard, got drafted, and then it was just like eh, he's a little wild, so but he's throwing, you know, he's left-handed, throwing ninety six, ninety seven, and it's like uh, buckle up. Yeah, that gives me nightmares. Actually, it's like the reason I'm I'm had to leave and and quit and go back to football is guys like that. <laughs> 97, 97, and it's like slider, and you're like, Duh. you you'd rather have guys chasing you down trying to knock your head off oh no doubt no <laughs> doubt because in you're there. in so much more control as a quarterback yeah you know as a quarterback on the football field you really are controlling to a certain extent all 22 pieces on the field or at least you know you have some ability to control all of those pieces Whereas baseball is just so different. You don't have the ball when you're on offense. And, and it's such a minimum skill sport, maybe a lot like golf versus football. So football, you can effort your way to, way to success. As a quarterback, it really doesn't matter how hard you throw. It more is it on time and on target. Whereas baseball, there is a minimum level of skill that you must have in order to make it, period. You can't effort your way to success. So the two sports were so different. Um which is why I loved football so much more. When I got when I got out of baseball and got out of failing all, all the time. Oh gosh, I failed a lot. Um, getting back to football was it was like a respite, you know, it was like a, a reprieve from all of that pressure, and then you could just like effort your way and schematic your way to success. It was great. Talk a little bit about those beginnings in farm league baseball. Oh, like, how old are you? Yeah. Did you come straight high school into that I did. system? Yeah. So I was drafted out of high school, decide to sign, best, worst decision I ever made because I wasn't ready, and yet that was the only path to then end up going back to Colorado and kind of like where my life ended up anyways. But I was 18 when I got drafted by the Padres. All I had known in high school baseball 
and this I don't it would be interesting to correlate this to golf is is like ultra success. You know, like in Colorado high school baseball, I hit near six hundred. You know, and like you know, it's just with a big aluminum bat that was basically like a bazooka, and I would hit a lot of home runs. The ball flew a long ways, and then I get to minor league baseball, and all of a sudden the guys who in high school were throwing ninety one, now they're throwing ninety eight. Now the changeup is eighty six. You know, now the slider's eighty three, eighty four, eighty five. And I've got this big wood bat, and man, it was it was tough to go from hitting almost 600 to then like chasing 250. That amount of failure was mentally way too much for me. I could never I could never adjust to that. I was too young. I was too immature. Um, and at the time, lifestyle wise, I had no ability to make the proper choices in my life to allow for success, which was devastating to my chances to to like make the big leagues. So I've I've told this story a lot. I was I was a pretty severe like late teenage alcoholic, right. and I just like I couldn't I couldn't stop it because I would get depressed about not succeeding on the field, and it was like, well, let's go have drinks, and it was just like a, a downward tumble cycle to the point where a couple of years in, I was just like, listen, I've got to do something, and that something for me was going back to school, and football was kind of an afterthought. Low minor leagues is bad, man. Those bus, those bus rides are long. They're not fun. Um, but I have stories for days about just crazy things that happen. Let me give you one for instance. This is one of the more crazy ones. But we're driving from, I believe it was Provo, Utah, back to Idaho Falls, Idaho. So it's not a long drive. But one of the most coveted things in the bus was a pillow. Right. If you forgot a pillow, I mean, we we stole pillows from every hotel because it'd be like, oh, man, we got to have a pillow because we got a getaway day and we're going to go and we're going to sleep in the bus all night. It's 7 p.m. game. You got to drive all night to get back home. So a pillow was was like the deal. And you're not in glamorous cities. No, no, not at all. I mean, we're you know, we're staying at if we stayed at a super six or something, you know, like a motel six, it was like, Whoa, guys, they have they have soap in the shower. You know, it's like it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> this room's got pillows in it. No way. <laughs> they have sheets. <sighs> and so um about twenty seven, twenty eight guys are on a minor league baseball team. Nineteen of the players were not native English speakers. There was a lot of Spanish, and then we had one guy that was right from Korea. His name was Young Jing Jung. He was a big first baseman, and he had a translator most of the time. But the translator would rarely ride the bus with us. He would always drive himself. So on this night, we're going back. It's pitch dark. It's midnight, maybe after, maybe one in the morning, and I just hear this commotion like mid bus. And I was kind of sitting in the back, and I was like, "What in the world is going on?" And I, you know, it's all in a different language. And I hear some Spanish going on, and I know that it's like ups, upset Spanish because I he's arguing. But then I hear high energy Spanish, high energy, yes. <laughs> and then I hear Young Jing Jung, and he was throwing and like he starts getting after it in Korean, which I had never heard. And I was like, "This is fascinating." So now I'm sitting up in my seat, and I'm like, what in the world is going to go on? So he's screaming 
in Spanish at Young Jing Jung. Young Jing Jung is screaming at him in Korean. And the bus is going, you know, 65 miles an hour. And they're standing. And I was like, what in the world? And someone yells back. He's like, it's about a pillow. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's about to go <laughs> oh, down. Serious. Young Jing Jung, he was a big dude. He was probably, I don't know, 6'2", but he was all of 215, 220. And, and Javier, um, or, you know, the Panamanian guy, I can't remember exactly his name. But he was a skinny reliever. And sure enough, I just see the silhouette of Young Jing Jung, like a rare back. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's all business now. And he just goes, bow! And he hits Javi. And Javi flies back into the window, just like, boom! And then he kind of like slinks down in the bus. <laughs> and then from that point on, dead silence, just with the engine of the bus. Just, <laughs> and I was like, well, that just happened. <laughs> so there you go. Who who kept the pillow? <laughs> Apparently, Young Jing Jung kept the pillow. He didn't need a pillow anymore, Javier. <laughs> Unbelievable. Javier. Javi was sleeping just fine yeah, here exactly. under the seat. We, Mark and I, did van tours for a band. Uh, I was in Lincoln Park when we were in college. When we finished college, I stepped out to go back to the Snacks to tour with them for probably like a year, almost maybe a year and a half, so two summers, um, and then came back into high or back in Lincoln Park before Hybrid Theory came out, maybe like a month and a half before the record released. That was like our journey. But in that process, when we were maybe 22 years old, we were touring in a van everywhere. And by the grace of God, we got this awesome van when a lot of other bands were touring in just terrible vans. Right. I don't, we somehow like nickeled and dimed and conned our way into getting this awesome lease on this brand new 15-passenger Ford Econoline, you know, big props to Ford. <laughs> so we're at least driving around in a nice van, but we're in awful, awful places. One story, I haven't told this on this, but we're in the middle of the country. It does not matter where we're at other than just to know that probably 20 States away from California on a highway somewhere, trying to get from one show to the next with Thomas guides with Thomas guides on some highway. We're have like a literally probably a thousand mile drive. Cause our booking agent sucked between shows <laughs> so we're just running out of gas on the highway and we're in one of those spots where it's like next rest stop this many miles away it's like oh crap we're coming up on the uh exit for the services and it it's literally like the only thing that's on this exit is the gas station and you know maybe like a tiny little food mart and it's this huge long like three quarter of a mile off ramp just long slow gentle off ramp and as we're pulling off to it we run out of gas the van is literally out of gas and we're just coasting okay so we're coasting at this point for like 60 miles an hour we have to slow down to go around a corner but we're trying to keep the speed up because we know <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're like we're, we're leaning into turns at this point we're pulling a trailer behind us too we're so. in we're in neutral and we're just trying to roll the get the van to roll into the gas station it feels like We've been coasting for two minutes. Like, it feels like this has been going on which for forever in our minds. And we have coasted at this point from 75 miles an hour all the way down to wherever we're at at this moment. So it's been a, a long, slow deceleration of the van. I open up the sliding side door. It's like a minivan-style door. Open it up. I'm sitting, like, in the back section. I can't remember if you were driving or who was driving. I'm like the first man out to like be able to get out of the car. And in my head, I'm thinking, 
I want to like hop out and keep pushing while we have some momentum to keep our momentum up. We've got a trailer on this thing. I'm like, the van is humongous. I'm like, if this thing stops rolling, we're not going to be able to like get it rolling unless we get help. Right. Like if we get like a little uphill or something like that, we're screwed because it's like thousands and thousands of pounds of van, thousands, thousands of pounds of gear in the trailer in the back. So in my head, like I've done the math, I'm crunching all this stuff. You're, you're, you're kind of having like momentum. an Indiana Jones. Yeah, moment I'm just in like I'm like, all right, well, yeah, it's like in the movie where all the beautiful mind stuff comes together, and I've like I've done all the calculations and I've figured it all out, and I'm like, we can this, we need the momentum. This van cannot stop until we literally roll into the gas station, or else we're we're in trouble. At least we're this close. We probably just go walk and get gas. But beautiful mind didn't calculate for that. <laughs> <laughs> so. We've literally, we've, we're slowing down. I'm like, all right, this is perfect. I open the door. I'm like, I'm going to push. I'm going to push. I hop out. I'm thinking I'm going to land and run and keep pushing the car. I don't realize in my head that the car is still probably rolling at this stage close to 20 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I hop out and I hit the ground and it's just like, it's like the people flying off the treadmills. I It was like I got snipered. Like I went down. Boom, feet gone, like whack, twist my ankle. I'm just on the ground. He jumps up, he's like, I'm, I'm okay. And he tries to catch us at this point, he's like 100 <laughs> yards behind us. So I'm like, I am, I am completely, I'm like com- embarrassed. I'm kind of hurt. Like, I'm, I've kind of just rolled my ankle. I'm thankful that I haven't just like killed myself. It probably wasn't 20 miles an hour, but I probably hopped out at like 16 miles an hour. Sure. Way too fast yeah. to hop out of a moving car. And the car, I'm on the ground, and the van is still just going away from me, obviously, <laughs> and getting further and further. And I'm just on this off ramp by myself now as a pedestrian. <laughs> so I get up and I do what you do, which is full injured ankle and like injured chase pride. I go chase the van. <laughs> I'm now sprinting after the van, and I can't come even close to catching it. It's traveling faster than I can even run. I finally catch it as it rolls and stops, like at the gas station itself and everybody's looking at me like <laughs> half crying laughing and half like concerned that I've initially I think they're all really concerned because I just moved out of the jumped out of a moving vehicle and got like annihilated crushed but the as next, soon as you were running the next, 30, the next 30 seconds when they see me get back up and start running and chasing the van they're like alright he's obviously relatively he's okay not dead. Oh, he's clearly God. not dead i'm pretty that sure his ankle so is like, like you know when you see people like jump out of airplanes and stuff and you just see them they jump out and they just like disappear it was like we're all looking out, out the slider <laughs> door and dave just <laughs> disappears oh the, that, that's the what we're doing about that is yeah if you did jump out at like let's say 16 18 miles an hour on your best day you're not running 18 miles an hour oh, like no. sprinting <laughs> But if you've been driving like 75 oh, and yeah. now you've just slowly like let the car going. after you've been eating pizza every night for the last <laughs> year and a half. I was telling Joel how sometimes we just feed each other like white bread sandwiches and, yeah. and make up what it was. It wasn't even pizza. Like pizza was like a like a huge yeah, score. It, that would be a huge merch night. Yeah. Like huge. If we sold like we 10, sold- 10 CDs and 10 t-shirts. We're going pizza that night. <laughs> this is it's pizza on. night. Oh, any yeah. good mini tour stories? Oh uh, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's tons of good stuff. But um, I had a buddy. The one that pops into my mind straight away is I was playing Canadian tour. We're playing um, outside of Vancouver, and Canadian tour is great because we got to go to a lot of big cities, and and we went to some smaller cities. But it's their national tour, so people would actually show up to the tournaments, and it it was a ton of fun. But it's the same kind of thing, like straight out of college. 
you were straight out of high school even, yeah. but straight out of college, I'm traveling around with a couple of really good dudes. We would go out all the time. You know, we would go out. It didn't matter if you had an early tea time or sure. whatever. Like we're coming straight out of college. You're like, young. We can have drinks. We can do whatever. So we go out in, uh, outside of Vancouver, um, and we're out with a few few buddies on the tour and everything, and and uh, we have this great night. We're dancing, we're goofing around, we're having a bunch of drinks. I've got, you know, tea time eight thirty in the morning or some <laughs> whatever it was, and it right. wasn't even crazy right. in those days. Because at least like with with baseball or with the show or you know whatever, it's not like you're like okay, I got to be up and ready to go at no. six. No, right? Like it's like you can you can actually get out and get after it. So we. We get out of the uh, of the bar and we're staying 10, 15 minute drive away when we don't have a car there. So we're like, oh, we'll, we'll get a taxi. Like, no problem. Like, that's what we planned on doing from the start of the night because obviously it's 15 years before Uber. Sure. So no, ca- no taxis. Can't find a taxi. So we're like, what in the world do we do here? <laughs> and then there's a, there's a cop. So we go see the cop. Oh, I didn't mention either. It's pouring rain. Oh. <laughs> absolutely pouring like as hard as it can rain pacific north northwest cold rain so we start walking with uh our other buddy greg with greg wells we're walking down the road in the rain no umbrella no rain gear no nothing and we've got it's a 10 minute car ride it's probably like i'll be lucky to make my tea time walking yeah this truck pulls over to help us out right like oh my god thank god this is amazing it's this huge truck with the big smokestack, like steam things coming out the back. You know the one I'm talking about? Like two of them, right? And large, they, large. So he rolls down the window and he's like, hey, do you guys need a ride? And we're like, oh my God, yes, thank you so much. And then he's like, jump in the back. <laughs> so we jump in the back, in the bed of the pickup. So the three of us, right? And Greg's not staying with us. He's staying at a house. And so we get down to like Greg's turnoff. And he just pounds on the roof and Greg jumps out of the car, still pouring rain. Greg goes running up this giant hill to go get back to his house, like see in the morning. And then we get down, like we think he's going to drop us at our hotel, but he's like, all right, well, I'm going this way. You guys are up there. So we have to get off about a mile short of our hotel. Oh my gosh. So we're walking, 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 get back up in the rain, get up and play the, play the tournament. How'd you play? (laughs) I don't think I played that good. (laughs) Had hypothermia the, the yeah. night previous. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was a crazy one. Low levels of everything that we did, right? It's it, it's all basically the same stuff. It yeah. doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's music or baseball or football or golf or whatever. It's just you have no money. You're young and you just have to make it happen. Yeah. And so you're out and you're traveling and you're on the road. And in those days too, like like Dave was saying, have the Thomas Guide or whatever. It's like no cell phone, mm. no GPS. Like I was printing out MapQuest stuff and just taking it and being like, well, hopefully I don't need to go anywhere other than from my hotel to the course and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it, hopefully I don't miss a turn because then, by the way, I have no idea where any of these other roads go. Right. We had some moments. It's not a great story. I'll tell you the point of it is that we missed a turn and we ended up literally 500 miles away from where we were supposed to be. <laughs> More or less. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, I we actually, were in the wrong state the responsible ones in the band were both asleep in the back of the van and we wake up and we're seeing these signs we're like we're not we're in the wrong state like we weren't supposed to go through this state 
we're going like we're going to Florida and and somehow we're like in Texas or something. No, we were supposed to be going from like Georgia to Texas and somehow we're in Florida. Oh yeah, and like that's we're like that's that is wrong. Like, not that is not is on the like, way. Like, What's happening hard. right now? It's not even just like a little bit the wrong state. It's we, like yeah. completely the other way. No, we were we were hundreds of miles off course. Like and nobody and, ever thought we like, were. Well, this we is were weird. The, the we funny were thing about that story, Christopher too. Columbus discovering America at this <laughs> point. We weren't. Oh, no, like, oh, what's this? So we <laughs> pull out the Thomas Guide and we're just like, oh well, I guess it won't be that bad. We can just take this this road, the seventy one or whatever, that cuts straight across. And it was like cutting across an entire state, not on a highway. It was just like a road that just went through every single like town for. You know, two hundred yeah, miles it, or something. It has. It took us eight thousand stoplights. Oh yeah, it's all great stuff. My dad would always tell me that, like these are the glory days. Like these are the things you'll remember. And, and you hated and, when he said, "Yeah, it, right? I did." Yeah. But now, like yeah. I look back at that as my fondest memories because there's yeah. so many crazy, stupid things that could happen in those days that would never happen now. Yeah. Like on the PGA Tour and being thirty-five instead of being twenty-two, and you know, playing in Canada and stuff. But it, it was so much fun. I mean, I even think about that in, in from the broadcasting sense of things because I got my start in like the the low minor leagues of broadcasting. I the first thing I ever did was a high school football game on a whim. I was an economics major and had been released from the Detroit Lions after one training camp, and I'm back home. I'm married at the time, and I, I mean, like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I would get into investment banking or something like that. I got a job with this small real estate firm, and I was raising all their like equity sections of speculative real estate deals. And then a guy at the local uh, regional sports network was like, hey, my analyst got sick. I heard you're in town. Can you do this high school football game? And I was like, no. Like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I ended up doing it, and from there got this, like, I always say it's like public ac- public access radio, but it really wasn't. It was just like this really low-level sports talk radio show. And then it just started going from there. But one of the things that I did to get my start in this industry and in, in broadcasting was when we would go on remotes in order to get paid, <laughs> we'd have to set up our own remote. Kind of like Mark set up you know, our, our podcast here. You're that we- guy, so I should get paid for this. Well, we yeah, <laughs> we'll negotiate that. We'll, we'll negotiate that. In. Um, you got to let him finish the story. Where then the guys? Yeah, you don't want to be this this story at the end <laughs> because one of the places that we would go was a Taco Bell, and the guy was great. I mean, the the owner of the the Taco Bell, he had a few of them, and he wanted us to do the show from his Taco Bell. Well, the problem is, is that you you need like a really strong or dedicated phone line in order to be live on the radio like from a remote and plug in all your gear and then you got to be in an isdn or a phone line well the only phone line strong enough it was back in the office which was behind the kitchen but he wanted us out in the restaurant like doing the show so in order to be on the air we had to run a phone line along the ground through the kitchen of a Taco Bell, and I had to duct tape it down, and it wouldn't stick because it was so greasy. And I'm on my hands and knees trying to get this phone line to stick so that no one kicks it and it like comes out in the middle of our, our show or anything like that. But So even in broadcasting, you go through those times to try to get up. It's very rare that you get... You know, guys, whether it's in golf and they can just come out and be Bryson DeChambeau right away or, or Tiger right away, you know, these guys that have it made right away. Or I'm sure it's rare for 
a band right away to just come out and they've got it made. Broadcasting's the same way. There's only a few guys that are like, hey, Heisman Trophy winner, you can go up to the kind of the big leagues right away. Earning your way is something that I feel like in every walk of life is kind of a lost art. I think people in general, this is getting way too deep for a, a fun hang, but I, I really believe it's kind of a lost art to go through some of the things that we all went through to get where we are. It's because everyone wants to just like, everyone wants everything right now. Yeah. And part of the, the enjoyment of what you got to do with Lincoln Park and what you're go- doing right now on the PGA Tour and what I get to do with Gus on Saturdays, part of the enjoyment is going through what we did to get to those points, you know? So there's my public service announcement on a, what's supposed to be just a nice hang. Because we've talked a lot about like the toil, right? Of, of like trying to get to where we've been able to get. But for me, the absolute best part of what I get to do is once Saturday gets there, you know, the, all the prep is, is done, all the meetings are done, and Gus and I turn around and we look at a camera and, and the producer says five to air. That is the best, like, that's the best part of the entire week. Because we're about to bring, you know, like Michigan, Ohio State. The crowd's going crazy behind. The band is playing. The hair on the back of your neck and arms is like raising up. You can't get it anywhere else. It's it's such a fun thing. So what is the best part about what you do and, and what you've been able to do? Not to get too sappy or too cliche, but music for me was always a great escape. And it was an opportunity when things were kind of going a little wacky in the family, in my family growing up. For me to step outside of that and have like a safe place that I could just invest myself into. I wasn't doing it at the time because it was productive, but I think just maybe instinctually it felt great to Mm -hmm. have that outlet. I actually played a ton and practiced a ton starting six, seven, eight years old. Granted, it was all like classical music, but it still, I don't know, it put something inside of me that really made me appreciate that. And I think the best part, fast forward, whatever, 30 years is being able to do music or be involved in music as a career. Even when I was in college, even when we'd already started Lincoln Park and started writing and playing together, that wasn't even on my radar as a possibility of something I could do. It was always just something I loved doing. The coolest part for me is is having that be a thing that I can actually have be a, a career or a vocation. A day like today where I get to go out and play with you guys and and really like remember why I love the game so much is I need that stuff a lot of the time because it is such a grind yeah. and I'm so hard on myself when I'm when I'm about playing and there's so much I put so much pressure there and and there's like a lot of times when things aren't going that well or you're playing in bad weather or whatever things that, that you don't really like um, I love being able to to have a day like today with you guys and then have that still be productive for me and feel like I'm making improvements and getting better. I think overall, the thing that I love about it so much is that it's this constant pursuit of, of not perfection, but of just getting better. And it kind of drives me crazy on the one hand, but it also makes me really excited to get out there and try to figure it out. Mark, best part. I guess for me and my job in terms of just making content and stuff is just the storytelling wanting to do something creatively and then being able to have it kind of morph and change as you do it my experience with working with dave and lincoln park 
the best part for me really would just be being around the fans and interviewing the fans and getting footage of the fans and just seeing like what my friends were doing on stage was like changing these kids lives like to experience the raw emotion right in the face of these kids especially when like chester would be down there like screaming in their faces and grabbing their hands and there was sweat and this going back and forth to be able to like be the person who's responsible to capture that moment was a kind of really fun thing to do mark would always tell me I don't really love your music, but I really love your fans. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate the bass in all your music. Everything else is fine. Yeah. And that didn't just go for Lincoln Park. That was anything, any music I played. Going back a little bit, tell me about what that prep looks prep. like. I want to know what you do, what you study, how much time it takes. Yep. So the first, first things first, in, in my industry, prep is everything. Um... You cannot fake it. And when I hear guys that are faking it, I know right away. And it drives me nuts. One of the things that I've always... And their names are... Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> so from from the college football perspective, you know, you talked about like the fans of Lincoln Park and how much it meant to them. It's very similar, the fans of these football teams and these right. programs. I mean, they are so invested you know, Ohio State fans are inve- they are Buckeyes. You know, and Michigan fans, Oklahoma fans, Texas fans, and so there's this rush of pressure on Sunday night because I don't want to let them down, and I know that they know their team as well as anybody, and if I don't know it at least as well as them or better in order to help them understand something a little bit more or enjoy it a little bit more then I haven't done my job. So that's what gets me going on Sunday night to like sit down and start forming opinions, arguments, uh, understand the roster, understand how it was made, what's going on with the injury situation, what's happening with the team right now, what's its story. I start reading almost every article I can get my hands on. And then on Monday, I start building my board, which is the lineup. And so I'm going to try to have in front of me every player uh, that could potentially get in the game. And so he's got a box. I know his name, obviously, height, weight, where he's from, class, any statistic. And then I try to get two or three nuggets on him from a personal side, not just from a football side. On Tuesday, I go through and I study the top 25 to 40 teams in the country so that I can talk about the sport globally. Mm -hmm. And then Wednesday, I'm in the studio all day and I'm using a lot of that like global knowledge. And then Thursday, I travel out to the game. Friday, I'm in meetings all day with the coaches and players of each team. And then Saturday, it's go time. So a long answer to tell you like prep is everything, everything. By the time the game starts, about 30 to 50 hours of work just right. just preparing for for that game and then here's the hardest part then you kind of throw it out the window because you don't want to over sell yeah. the broadcast because you as a viewer at home you know you don't want to be drinking from a fire hose of information of just me talking the whole time like i'm doing right now like you want to enjoy the game <laughs> so you're just trying to like supplement you know when you can and so you only use like 20% 
of all that work every week. And so every week there's this wrestling match in your head. You're like, man, do I really need to do all that work? Yes, you do. On yeah. comes long snapper Ryan Fellows. Yeah, exactly. Ryan loves quick Hershey's yeah, he's, in his you know, chocolate milk. And he, uh, I mean, growing up and when I was playing, I always wanted to play. I never planned on this. Once it started to unveil, uh, like uncover itself, you know, after that high school game and, and the low level radio, as soon as I knew, like, hey, this is awesome, I love it. Then immediately, my my whole goal in this industry was to get to kind of where I'm at was to be a network's lead college football analyst. I don't really desire to do NFL games. I want to do college football because I I love college football. Uh, it's so organic and passionate. The fan base, you know, all of the things that I've been talking about. So it's been a goal ever since I started to get to this point. And then the role model standpoint, I, I think Kirk Herbstreet comes to mind just because as a guy who wasn't the Heisman Trophy winner, he kind of gave all of us and me in particular a path to become kind of a, a lead guy. Which in the NFL doesn't happen unless you've got a gold jacket and multiple Super Bowl rings, you know, or, or along those lines. So Kirk was always a guy I really admired. Um, and then the other one who I just think is phenomenal is Mike Tirico. Mm-hmm. Mike Tirico is as good as it gets. Anything. You can put him anywhere. It's, it's the Olympics. You can put him in the 18th Tower in golf. You can put him on Monday Night Football. The guy is always nails. He's always prepared. And he just does the games, the the service that they deserve. Right. We got a chance to meet Mike Trico. Was it last year? Yeah, at the Masters last year. Yeah. I was so accustomed to his voice that it felt kind of a little bit weird to yeah. then be there talking to him. And the same thing happened. Um, I've got I've met and hung out with Johnny Miller on a couple occasions. Johnny Miller, obviously, I've just retired, I think, this yeah, past Saturday. Week yeah. But a long time... Uh, great golf career and then also after that broadcasting career in golf i was playing with him in some sort of a charity thing at riviera in la i'm on the second hole at riviera it's kind of cold long winds in my face all that just to say i have a long second shot that i have to hit (laughs) (laughs) it didn't go left into the range the range of the range which is ob and didn't go right into the trees which is dead i was in play but it I still had, I'm hitting lumber right. to get into this tiny, tiny little green. And Johnny's there, and, he, and we've kind of been chatting a little bit already at this point, and I'm kind of like, this is really fun. This is cool to be playing with Johnny. And I hadn't really thought about what was weirding me out yet. And I hit this shot, and I just, terrible. Long story short, the shot's terrible. It probably goes 15 yards. I <laughs> chunked it so hard. Change up. Change and up. I hear... Just over in the corner, I hear, that was not a good shot. It was, <laughs> it's Johnny, and it sounds just like something you'd say on TV, like on a telecast. And at, at that point, it all clicked. Like, oh, that's why this is kind of weirding me out. It's because I feel like I already know him, and I feel like I'm in this environment where I've heard his voice talking about things. And that's just how he is and who he is, is he's just commenting on what's happening like around him. And for the rest of the day, I was like, oh, this is great. It's like I've got my own personal broad- like golf broadcaster as we're playing this round of golf. It's funny you say that because working with Gus, he's iconic. You know, Gus Johnson and, and sports circles in particular and, you know, all the college circles, he's just iconic for his voice. But here's what I've seen. People don't care about my voice so much as they do my opinion. 
They want to know what I think about. Hey, what what did you think about last week? What did you think about the top four, the playoff committee, this or that? Whereas when they run into Gus, so Gus and I will be out at like dinner. When they run into Gus, they want them to record things on their phone. They want to hear Gus, yeah. and they want to know what I think about their team. So that's the little difference from like the analyst to the to the play by play mode. But man. Yeah, so going around with Gus, I definitely understand that because kids walk up all the time and they want them to do the, like their answering machine or right. just like record a video to their friends or something like that. But because uh, he's he's exciting to work with, man. Yeah, Phil Phil Mickelson's even had Jim Nance record his uh, message. There you go. So he's he's got like if you call Phil and get his answering machine, it's Jim Nance. <laughs> it's Jim. It's like a, it's like a, you you have reached the 2004, 2006, and 2010 Masters champion. <laughs> hello, <laughs> friends. Is not yeah. It, it is. is. Not I think here. it even starts with hello, hello friends. Yeah. Oh, friends. It's so good, yeah, right? So there funny, you go. Right? The champion of yeah. the Masters. The Masters. <laughs> He's <laughs> grabbed like the dramatic pause and then the, the taper down on the. Hello there, Brendan. Hello, friends. Did you ever get like awestruck meeting any of the announcers that do golf? You know, when you were first up on the tour, whether it was like a Faldo or a Johnny Miller, you know, or a Nance or anyone yeah, that you would more, see. More the yeah, like more the guys who played. Mm. So more like a, a Miller or a uh, Nick Faldo for sure. Yeah, yeah like those guys. Um, but they're, I mean, they're all around you all the time, so you get mm-hmm. over it pretty quick. Yeah. But um, yeah, all all the guys that I that I watched, I watched a lot of Faldo, you know, as a kid for sure. So, um, you know, stuff like that is it's always pretty cool. We'll wrap it up here soon, but we got a pointer to ask you about. I think it was the first, maybe the first week you were going to be starting at Colorado. Okay. A story wherein there was a reptile that was... Oh. See, you talk about prep, Joel. We got, we got this prep. This is prep. I, I mean, 25 I, to 30 hours. I don't want to brag, but you said 30 to 50. I'm more like 50 to 80 hours of prep <laughs> per podcast. That's right. These, per 30 minutes of podcast. These two guys are probably way more than me. Oh, my gosh. All over it. But yes. I dig deep. There is a... A, a very serious reptile story when it comes to my first game that I ever started. Um, okay, so gonna have to get a little a little backstory. When I quit baseball and walked on at Colorado, at the same time, a guy that I had played against in high school and was a really good player, baseball player and football player, was quitting baseball at Nebraska. And wanted to walk on at Colorado to play football. So we were doing this at the same time, same age. And so we were like, hey, well, let's just room together. Because I'm not going to go live in the dorms. I can tell you that. I was 21. I'm not going to go live in the dorms at 21 years old. So we got a place together. His name was Mike Duran. Dear friend to this day. Love Mike. Mike was a wide receiver. Really good player. But Mike, for a 5'9", 180-pounder, was the biggest meathead of all time. Like, all time this dude had 223 assault rifles shotguns like he was you know all in on the gun ownership he was all in on wearing camo especially if it was like cargo shorts that were camouflage boom he's in right um and he owned reptiles so he would have a dwarf caiman crocodile 
And he also, which was like, you know, like this long. And he also had this, it was probably between five and six foot ball python. I didn't know that when we agreed to be like, hey, like, let's be roommates, right? So a cage for the the snake was about the size of this table. And it was a triangle. And all he wanted to do with this snake every week was feed it a rat. That's why he had the snake. I mean, I'm Straight telling you. on a road trip. <laughs> 100% out of road trip. Tom Green. A thousand percent. And the top, because it was a large cage, wasn't like a glass top. It was a homemade two by four. And he just staple gunned a screen like from Home Depot <laughs> to the top of the two by fours. That's what was over the snake. The whole first year, it doesn't get out. You know, he would like pull it out occasionally. And so I'm not all that worried about it. I've got the basement room, and the basement is where he kept the snake cage. <laughs> so there's the backstory. <laughs> Here we go. So now I earn the starting spot, and I'm still a walk-on, and we're playing Colorado State. They're ranked and favored. And we go down, and we beat them at mile high unbelievable game i threw for like 400 yards like just like euphoric we come back could not have been better maybe the highlight of my career which is bad because it was the first start so then it's just like (laughs) you know start on high yeah i was like a skier in my career it's like start high go low we also lived with a few guys that weren't players so they were in the student section during the game telling everybody like we live with joel Like, come on back to the house. So when we got back to the house in Boulder, it was packed, right? Like, could not walk through the house packed. Well, when the night finally dwindled down, we're like looking around. We're like, the snake's out. How? Like, what in the world? It's five in the morning. Our whole house, all five of us, It's now it's sun up. It's Sunday morning, and we're searching the house for the snake, and we cannot find the snake. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, someone stole it, which I think would be weird anyways, but I'm going to bed. So I go into my room, which is in the basement, and I search high to low for the snake in my room. Once I realize it's not there, I duct taped the bottom of the door. You know, because I'm like, it's not crawling in here and strangling me. Like, this was, I'm not going out after that game. I've got a, a career ahead of me, even though it went downhill. Um, so I, I searched the room, duct taped the bottom of the door. Next day, can't find the snake. Guess what I did that night? Searched my room, duct taped the bottom of the door. Went, bought a couple of more rolls of duct tape because every night for the whole semester, it turned out to be, I would search my room and duct tape the bottom of the door because we never found the snake. <laughs> The entire semester. <laughs> so now it's December. We are done with the season, waiting for the bowl game. So we've got a couple of weeks off finally. And Duran starts being like, hey, man, your room stinks. Sure enough, we dig around and we finally grow in, go into the crawl space. And he's got a dead snake sitting no. in the corner of the crawl space. And so we threw it out. But every night for the entire semester, I would search my room and duct tape the bottom of the door so that the snake would not strangle me. He didn't, and, did he have access to your room from the, the crawl space? I'm sure he did because <laughs> I'm sure there was like a vent or something like that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if like I woke up one night and this snake is hanging from that? I don't think you it would not be the same person today. I you, don't yeah. think it could have like killed me. 
Well, at the very least, it would have traumatized you. Oh, like, could you, you even You know imagine? what that story does for me is it makes you trying to duct tape the telephone cord at Taco Bell even more impressive because you clearly had a lot of experience with duct tape. There you go. Two, twice. And today. if you couldn't get it down if on that Taco Bell you couldn't Bell get it on the floor, then guys, it couldn't have been done. Nobody else could. Yeah. The layer of grease. <laughs> We're pretty heavy in this podcast on rodent stories, so that fits right in. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a lot of rat stories. We've had, oh, you know... Just different things happen. Golf, music, and rodents. Golf, music, and rodents. And we're getting known for it. That's, uh, at least that's my goal, is rodent stories. So that fits right in there, and I have another one. (laughs) Is this rat, or? So, well, you're going to find out. I love it. New Year's. We go up north of LA. We have a nice New Year's. We're driving back. Mark's just had a baby. (laughs) And so we're like, okay, we're going to stop at Mark's house, meet the baby. My wife's driving, and these two birds come flying out. One of them goes flying away, and I'm like, oh, she missed it. And she's like, no, there was two. I hit the one. And so now she's all upset, right? (laughs) We drive down another hour to Santa Monica, and and we get out, and we're like, well, let's go see if there's any damage on the car. Because it looked like it could have been a decent-sized bird, you know. So we go, (laughs) go to the front of the car, and in the grill is the bird. It is like inside the car, but it's gone through the grill. We think that it's like broken this one piece because we see a piece that's broken there. We're like, oh my God, how did it fit through there? It's like a kind of a big bird. How could it have fit through that one little broken piece? No, wait, is it is it moving at all? No, or is no, it no. dead? It is, it's boom. Yeah, we all hit right. it at 70 miles an hour. Okay. Like, it is completely toast, dead. But it's embedded in the fully car. Fully intact in the car, but we can't like get to it. Oh. Right? Now, fortunately... We are at the only friend's house who has the potential to help us out with said situation. Because Mark, he knows his way around some rodents. And he's not going to be grossed out by much. So we tell Mark about it. He comes out and he looks at it. And he's like, wow, that's crazy that it could have gone through there or this and that. And then he's like, can I propose an alternate theory? (laughs) (laughs) I said, yes, I I would love to propose that alternate theory. So he goes... I think it flew through this part where there was like a wider space, not the broken part. He's like, I think that may have just been broken. <laughs> I think it flew through here and then just dropped down. And he's like, I think I might be able to get it. So <laughs> Mark gets his gloves. <laughs> I'm glad that this started with Mark gets his gloves. I love this, by the way. I was just like, hey, you want to go back outside and get that? Yeah, bird? he's like, yeah, yeah, the baby and stuff. But there's a bird out there. Like, should we go mess bird. around with the bird? There's a bird in your grill. That, that goes, though, if you have a two-week-old at home, anything to like, get right. out of the house and do something else. <laughs> bird in the grill. What? Like, you have a headless bird bleeding out? Like, yeah, in your like, car I'm engine block? Into that. Right, let's do that. Let's go do that. So... We we pop the hood and Mark like finds this little hole in the by the engine and he's able to like pull he gets I think just pops one of the caps off of something and reaches his arm down there and he's able to grab this bird and he comes out with this pristine like fully intact bird like not missing like a, a quail. feather it was yeah like it was like some sort of a quail or something but it, and it's kind of big right yeah. I mean it was a significant size but had we not gone to Mark's house. The bird would probably still be in the car. Because <laughs> there's no way I'm getting it out there. there. <laughs> I oh. thought, Mark being Mark, I thought he was going to have a special, like, uh, bird tool. Yeah, like a yeah. bird removal tool. I think, like, oh, I've got like, just oh, the I've, thing I've for that. I've got that. 
I'm just glad you when you said like he popped off. I thought he was gonna you were gonna say the head, the but head. then it was like a cap to something, and it so he removed it fully intact, which is kind of he did. It was better. It was fully That's intact. impressive. Yeah. Where did you learn your rodent skills? Yeah, it was a combination of um, just popping the hood and figuring out how the engine compartment worked, and I got gloves for stuff like that. And he was like, you know, I, told, I think I told you too. I was like, I mean, on the scale of one to 10 of like gross yes. things that I've done, this isn't even close. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say next is that he was like, this isn't even like anywhere near the top 10. of grossest oh my things gosh. I've done, So no problem here. So good. And so excited to get after that bird. Oh, poor little guy. <laughs> All right, Joel, for any of those curious to follow you on socials, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, at Joel underscore Clat, and then on Twitter, at Joel Clat. No punctuation. Love interacting with people, so give me a follow, and um, I'll be doing some USGA events for the golf fans out there, and then anybody that wants to um, have a good time with college football, I love to interact there, too. And how are the Bruins going to look this year? The Bruins are going to be actually a lot better. Stop it. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> Stop it. I'm telling you. I'm not, I don't give lip service. I, I now really know, don't. I now know who you are in my life. You're the guy this year who's going to build my hopes up only for them to be dashed every year. I've got this whole thing with college football fans. Everything about college football fandom is expectation management. All right. So I'm telling you that they're going to be better than what they were a year ago. It's it's on you to then place that like oh they mean Joel says they're going to win the Pac twelve that didn't say that so like what are you expecting? I'm expecting to be not interested for a while for something to hook me get me interested and then to get bummed out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was in depth, wasn't it? <laughs> that was in depth. They were Dave, better. At Dave the end just of the shifted year. into low energy. Dave. Oh, got Dave. Got to bring. We got to get him some food. Oh. Get the high energy. High energy up for the ending here, Dave. Disappointed. Energy up for the ending. Take us home. Take us Mark, home. take a, one bruins. more button down to get Mark's energy up too. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want, yeah. If you want to make me sad. Stock Bruins football. <laughs> why can't we build? Why can't we build a program? I mean, you're at the nicest city in the world, weather-wise. It's a great campus. Costs too much to live. Can't get can't good rec- assistant if you coaches. Can't recruit there. Then what? Uh... Okay. Boom. I'm back. No more He's back. football. He's back. I'm. I'm here. I love it. Yeah. So for us, uh, follow us on the socials. You know where to find them. They've got a member in it. They've got a guest in it. Use the search icon. Instagram, at memberguestofficial. Twitter, at memberguest. And member-guest.com. Good job. Good job, Brendan. Thanks Uh, for having me, guys. This was fun. Thanks for being here. This was great. Yeah, thank you. You arrived. We don't always say this. I think we missed it on the Hunters. I think we only have missed it on Hunters. I'm going to retroactively tell Hunter. Yeah. Hunter's a huge fan. He listens to every single one. Yeah, multiple does, times. He won't necessarily listen this late into the podcast. <laughs> so maybe we should put it, like, reinsert it. In <laughs> We've already lost his attention. <laughs> Hunter. Hunter's now a member. There you go. It's official. Just so people don't. I know you get, like, Twitter rage. Yes. yes. No Twitter rage. Hunter is a member. That's from last week. But, Joel, you arrived as a guest. You're leaving here as a member. I love it. This is the coolest. I didn't even want to say club because that sounds too much like membership club. that you could be a part yeah, of. Yeah, it's the membership. Membership has its privileges, Joel. Let's just say that that's our slogan. And <laughs> You're welcome it's anytime. super unique. I love it. But thanks for being here. It's yeah, awesome. Any parting words? Anything? Final thoughts? 
No, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you guys having me. There's no doubt. And uh, yeah, I love what you guys are doing. It's, it's very fun. Thank you, sir. Uh, and from us, may your drives fly straight and your guitars stay tuned. Adios. Now oh. and forever. Adios. Now and forever. I'm hungry. Let's eat. Adios. Adios. Let's eat.